On the Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk. Now, standing on Dublin South Circular Road, the National Stadium, very grandiose name, but if anything, it's a little forgotten these days. But next week, a new art exhibition is coming to the space, created by the artist Sharon Kelly in conjunction with women from the Corinthians Boxing Club on the north side. The National Stadium is the spiritual home of Irish boxing, but it's also served as a music venue, witnessing some landmark moments, including from Led Zeppelin. And Donald Fallon is here with Hidden History to tell us more about it. Donald, a boxing, a sport in a lot of people's minds today after what went on last night. What a, what a fitting morning to talk about something, you know, created by women boxers, this exhibition. And, and what a performance that was last night, you know, mm. even if it didn't go uh, Katie Taylor's way in the end. I think anyone who bought the fight, including me, uh, didn't feel hard done by. You know, it was a capacity venue, packed bill. And you know what I thought watching it? There was real kind of headline event energy, wasn't there? Yes. Hours before it even even got to the end, even got to that fight. Mm. But, you know, Gavin Casey, he wrote up the, the lovely report in the 42.ie. Uh, and I think he just nailed it. He said, and still... You know, so often they are the words that bring Katie Taylor fans to their feet. But on an incredible night at Dublin's Tree Arena, there were words that punctured the electrifying atmosphere as Chantelle Cameron was hoisted aloft. And mm. look, let's not focus on the result last night, but I suppose the journey to that point, the journey to a female boxer in a packed arena in Dublin is a great story. And the National Stadium, yeah, part of it. Yeah, well, indeed, because the three arenas on the other side of the, the river to the, very, the, the venue that we're talking about today. But Katie Taylor is, in her own way, a very significant story of, or part of the story yeah. of the National Stadium. Incredibly, this, this venue, the National Stadium, witnessed the, the first officially sanctioned female boxing match in Ireland. If anyone's wondering when that was, 2001. 2001. Just, the first like, a fe- female officially sanctioned Boxing match in this country. So when we think about last night and the number of people in attendance, this mm. is a, a, a meteoric journey in, in, in its own way, you know. Uh, Alana Audley from Belfast went up against a 15-year-old Katie Taylor, which is just extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, well, and look, what's more, more extraordinary is that she was winning gold medals at the Olympic Games barely a decade after the first time that Ireland had ever had an officially sanctioned women's boxing match. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible journey. And, you know, if you're into boxing, I mean, they, they speak of this venue with total reverence, you know, and, and Katie Taylor, looking back on that first fight, she said it was huge for me to get that first official fight and to do it in the National Stadium as well was amazing. I've been going there since I was a child, watching all these amazing fights, watching the seniors every year, and suddenly there I was. So Croke Park is the spiritual home of Gaelic Games. But, you know, in the boxing community, nothing touches the National Stadium. I mean, and we were joking about that. That title brings to mind something like Croker, doesn't it? Yeah. But it, it may be a much smaller place. But if this is your sport, it doesn't come really any bigger and, than the National Stadium. And at least within this sport, what's remarkable about it when it came into being is that nobody had ever done anything quite like this before. And it did show this really remarkable commitment within Ireland to the sport of boxing. Yeah, the first purpose-built amateur boxing stadium anywhere in the world, which is just amazing, isn't it? Constructed in the 1930s. You know, even then, immediately after independence, it was it was clear that this was something that we were pretty good at. You know, yeah. Ireland's record in, in international amateur bouts was very, very impressive. So Frank Aiken, the minister, he opens it in 39 and he tells the crowd, it's no, it's with no little pride that Irishmen will show foreign visitors this splendid building. And probably what he meant, you know, between the lines was it will be with no little pride that Irishmen would defeat foreign visitors here because <laughs> yeah. this was a sport that we were really, really becoming uh, accustomed to doing quite well in. And the state had put so much emphasis on the national games, you know, the GAA, the national sports, but to have something you could compete in on the global stage was also important. Mm. And that was really what boxing was, was, was going to be. So while it was opened by a government minister, to be honest, 
the big part of the state that made this happen was actually, I think, on Garda Síochána because okay. within the guards there was a very energetic boxing culture uh, from the very beginning of the organisation. General Owen O'Duffy, there's yes, yeah. there's a name remembered for other reasons, you know, <laughs> yeah. but best recalled for his his journey to Spain yeah. uh, in defence of Franco. A man but, airbrushed out of Finnegan's launch videos when they were yeah, being yeah. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I don't think he even made it into the TikToks. Yeah, no. he was just gone. He was just gone. But previously, a very significant figure in Irish sporting circles, you know, before his his little trip to Franco Spain. He was president of the NACA, president of the Olympic Council of Ireland. He led the Olympic team from Ireland to the Los Angeles Games uh, in 1932. And he had this kind of ideological belief that the guards had to be involved in sport. You know, whatever sport it was, every man in the guards had to be involved in something. And he said the man who was training for some form of competition would be more likely to keep mind and body under control than the man with whom such incentive is lacking. Hmm. Such participation in games leads to character building and the formation of good habits. The guard owe it to the reputation of the force to keep fit in mind and body. Uh, a motto that's still immortalised in community games medals to this day. Men sana incorporate sano. Healthy mind in a healthy body. Uh, so it was... Um, Owen Duffy, who sort of cultivated this culture to a point, but then it's another commissioner who brings about not just the boxing call, but then a lot of other sports infrastructure around the place. Garda William Murphy, amazing legacy. Commissioner Murphy, I should say. Uh, so, you know, the Garda Clubhouse at Island Bridge, we call it the Garda Boat Club. Yeah. That's his doing. Uh, handball alleys in the back of Garda stations. There are still Garda stations that have these odd things out in the car park and they're handball alleys, yeah. which was a massive, wow. massive game in its day. Yeah. And then the big push for a national boxing stadium all comes from Commissioner William Murphy uh, as well. And in the guards, there's some kind of famous guards who are quite good at boxing. So Jim Brannigan, uh, better known in Dublin Lugs. as Lugs. You wouldn't was call he, him Lugs Brannigan to his face. <laughs> not not but to his face, Everyone no. else called him Lugs Brannigan. Was he a guard? He was both a boxer and a boxing referee and a guard, yeah. Okay. Did most of his brawling in the streets, it should be said. But that culture, <laughs> that culture of uh, taking down youth gang violence with gang violence, but that culture, I suppose, of, of physical strength and physical well-being O'Duffy puts it there and William Murphy really builds on it. Mm. Um, this, uh, d- my favourite part of, of all of your notes that you sent in for this bit is that there is a street that collectively honours uh, the city's boxing heroes which is still very much in the heart of the city it's still there to this day. Brilliant. You can, you can see O'Connell Street from it Champions Avenue on Dublin 1 and there's a plaque there it says this street is a tribute to the champion boxers and the people of the Sean McDermott Lower Gardner Street area 1939-1940. I mean in a very short period of just two years mm. This street produced some of the most famous boxers in, in in the history of the sport. Peter Glennon, Paddy Hughes, John Spike McCormack, you know, all very famous Irish boxing names. Uh, and it's just ex- extraordinary, you know, all from this one little you know, terrace in, in, in inner city, uh, working class Dublin. Yeah. But there, you know, when you walk into a boxing club now, St. Saviour's, for example, on Dorset Street, these guys are still looking back at you, you know, from the walls. These, this is a sport where, you know, legends are built up and they remain and they become these kind of cult figures. So it's very unlikely, isn't it, that the sport, it's two champions, if you will, in its early days. John Spike McCormack, who, you know, had his share of run-ins with the guards, and the guards themselves. You know, this <laughs> incredible world of inner city Dublin and the Gardaí both producing early boxing titans. I'm going to hazard a guess that it wasn't always conducted under Queensbury rules when they were at least out <laughs> on the streets. Whatever about when they're within the ropes. Uh, maybe not so much when they're out and about. And um, Perhaps though even more than in Dublin. Um, Belfast is very strongly linked to boxing in terms of not alone not the present and we'll all remember Paddy Barnes and the more recent uh, Olympians Michael Connell and the likes um, but also in terms of the past as well. Yeah, it would be a crime to do any brief kind of ramble through Irish boxing history and, and not talk about Belfast. And I think one thing that's really nice about this this exhibition in the National Stadium is that it's a Belfast artist, Sharon Kelly, who's working with, with Dublin boxers. Ah. So they're, they're very linked by a boxing history. And when you go to Belfast, 
Boxing is such a part of the identity of that city, even now. I mean, there's statues, John Caldwell, uh, Rinty Monaghan, great name, you know, mm-hmm. two great Belfast boxers with statues uh, in, in the city. And when I think about boxing and, and, and the North, I mean, what comes to mind is, is Barry McGuigan, mm. because he fought for the North at the Commonwealth Games, Ireland at the Olympics. And he had that lovely line, the fact that I wouldn't wear green, white and gold uh, or put on a sign that said, this is who I represent, was powerful. Yeah. Like McGuigan was genuinely followed by, by both communities with, with, with equal passion. And, you know, he came out the Danny Boy, a mm. sort of neutral uh, national anthem that ensured everyone, everyone could cheer him on. So when, when you go to Belfast, even now, it's such a part of the identity uh, of the city. And for them, it's the Ulster Hall, very prestigious venue in the middle of the city, kind of like the Mansion House. I mean, Ebert Carson gave political addresses in the Ulster Hall. <laughs> and in the 70s and 80s, that was the boxing venue uh, of choice. Yeah, I, I don't think the Queensbury rules were enforced there either. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, I just love the name Rinty Monaghan. Is that the, Rinty Monaghan is a fantastic is name. The, the, the most Ulster name that's ever existed, just on so many fronts. Rinty Monaghan. Amazing stuff. Um, beyond boxing, uh, and we mentioned this in the introduction, the National Stadium has some other claims to fame. It is, um, fans of, of OTT won't forgive me unless I point out that it's also the modern day home of Irish wrestling. Um, but yeah. it's also, uh, musically, it's been a very important venue as well Led Zeppelin played there in 1971 and they were way too big to be honest to be playing that venue at the time they were mm. massive but that's where, that's where they decided to play uh, and John Daly who was in the crowd he, he writes about it really beautifully the stadium went ape as the first chords of their global hit Whole Lot of Love echoed across the rafters the ultimate heavy rock call to arms that had everyone standing on seats stomping the floor and bouncing in the aisles nobody was sitting at that point and a few befuddled security staff who'd long given up attempting to restore order melted meekly towards the exits. Oh, this was teenage rebellion. I wanted more, but also that. That's might... brilliant. Just that the security were like, nah. Ah, let them have it. Yeah, you know? they, we've, we've lost this battle. Stairway to Heaven. Uh, wow. The first time it was ever played live You're was kidding. on the South Circular Road in Dublin, which is just amazing, amazing isn't it? Leonard Cohen played there. Uh, Leonard had a, a, an Irish nanny growing up, and he, he'd learned this song from listening to her, the ballad of Kevin Barry, mm. and he sings Kevin Barry in the National Stadium. Leonard Cohen. Uh, Morrissey does his first solo gig there after the Smiths and there's just thousands That's of kids astonishing. outside trying to get into yeah. the place You know, just up the road from you know the, the, the family homestead in Crumlin for him so it has this kind of uh, great hidden histories horse lips too and it's had a bit of a resurrection in recent times uh, as, as a gig venue it's really nice to go to a gig uh, in a venue that's a little bit more unusual like that, isn't it? Mm, yeah, very much so. How can people get along then for a look at this exhibition? Yeah, Counterpunch, uh, Sharon Kelly. Great and name. Gar- yeah, Such fantastic a great name. name. Got to put on an exhibition, an art exhibition about boxing, call it Counterpunch. Yeah. Women boxers and their coaches from the Corinthians Boxing Club uh, and Sharon runs from next Friday until Monday, June 5th, which I'm okay, pretty sure. Okay, bank holiday Monday. It's a bank holiday, yes. absolutely, hooray. It's a multimedia exhibition, uh, I suppose, yeah. It does make us think how you can take art and bring it into the most unlikely of settings and how do art and sport you know, interact. It's amazing we don't see more exhibitions actually mm. linking these two things. So so best of luck to Sharon and all behind us. Yeah, often overlooked that, that sport is an aspect of culture in its own right. Often sort of think thought of as being something distinct but it Absolutely. is as much a part of culture and deserves to be celebrated as much for it. Uh, Donald Fallon is the author of Three Castles Burning, A History of Dublin in 12 Streets and the presenter of the podcast of the same name which you'll find everywhere you get your audio online. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.